Hey everyone, Jacob here. Just wanted to quickly say thank you for sticking with us in our brief absence in the past couple of weeks. We thought it would be funny to feed the movie machine a pitch for Troll 3, and after that it just yelled at us non-stop whenever we tried to input anything. We were of course working on all kinds of other projects during that time, and check out hotchocolatemedia.net for more info on that. We eventually figured out how to unplug it, and let it run down its power reserves before booting it back up again. It seems to be working now, and all our transgressions are forgotten. We hope. Anyways, happy Keanu Reeves' birthday. Here's the episode. Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome, everyone, to the Movie Machine Podcast, hosted by Hot Chocolate Media. I'm your moderator today, Kyle Decker, and I'm joined by three media luminaries. We're going to craft a film for you based on a random prompt from the internet. Our writer today is Ben Lifson, who is a video game reality consultant on Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Jacob Gulliver, our director, who was the dolphin massager on the upcoming Aquaman film. And Eric Thompson, our producer, who was Jason Statham's chocolate guy on The Meg. Mm-hmm. All right, gentlemen, I have... I have consulted the movie machine on the movie it would like you to craft for it. And it is telling me it would like to see a wacky conflict film where the main character is a philosophical assistant. The major event of the story, delusion. So first off, I just want to say that I'm very, very honored to be working on the Calvin and Hobbes movie. You know, just these two philosopher friends going together and just like you know really delving into calvin's you know uh fantasies and how that affects you know him as he grows up you know um i think with christopher robin you know it's it's good taking sort of these childhood things and examining them you know as an adult so as calvin gets older how does his fantasies of his youth and has society crushed him down so it's going to be you know we're going to start out because i think you know, we've never seen Calvin and Hobbes outside of just comic. I think we want to see them, you know, him as a kid, you know, show their dynamic for the first time in live action. Well, you know, live action, obviously, you know, Hobbes is going to be animated, but, and so, you know, it'll be kind of the, it'll start with, and I think just to really grab people with, you know, we'll start with Spaceman Spiff, start with just Calvin, we'll introduce Hobbes down the line, but just show his fantasy and i haven't worked out all the things you know the alien's gonna be a metaphor for why he doesn't want to have meatloaf dinner or something you know we can throw in some words we'll talk with the cg whoever's the artist there um but you know just something really fun you know throw in dinosaurs throw in all kinds of insanity i i will say that the uh author of calvin and Hobbes, i haven't been able to get in touch with him even though we got the rights to this because he's so so much of a recluse we're not even sure if he even knows. Bill Watterson. Bill Watterson, yeah. We're not even sure if he knows that we're making this movie, but uh, legally we can make it, so whatever. Anyway, so yeah, so then we'll transition into then, you know, really show Calvin and Hobbes' dynamic together, them having a conversation. And now we're going to cut forward, like, um, to Calvin in, you know, high school graduating. And so, you know, Hobbes is up in the attic. 
I, I don't want to, though, go 100%, because I think it's cliche if Calvin is, like, super cynical and, like, I don't believe in imagination anymore, you know? Like, he should, you know, still be doodling comics, uh, all sorts of things. Um, but, you know, he's obviously way more into real life. You know, he and Susie could have a better relationship now, obviously. And I think, though, that then that's kind of the... He's going to start to realize that, you know, he just doesn't have the same imagination that he does anymore like he's trying to you know pitch these kind of comics to you know people to underground comic shops and like no one's accepting it. and it's like you know you just do the same thing over and over and you just can't find that imagination anymore is there anything else you want to add um well he then meets together with Hobbs again and okay reignites his imagination and so you got a title for this other than just calvin and Hobbes? i think just calvin and Hobbes okay. is good cool jacob you've got uh Calvin and Hobbes film script. Apparently the rights were bought, but Bill Watterson has nothing to do with this production. Got the script. It kind of has like two parts. First part is childhood Calvin hitting the go-tos, probably snowman, spaceman, spiff, the usual. And then an adolescent Calvin that kind of loses his way in imagination and finds his way back. You, you, you liking this? You gonna make the script some magic? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little conflicted about doing it without Bill Watterson's permission, but you know, I'll I'll make some preparations to turn this into Kelvin and Dobbs just in case. Well, we literally couldn't find where he was. We're not even sure if he's uh, right. still alive. Yeah, I get that. Just letting you know, I've got some some backup plans. I like the idea of paralleling his childhood and you know a little bit older version of him. Uh, I think our second part should be more of him as an adult. I don't want to go quite as far as they did in, in Christopher Robin, where he's like in his you know forties and has kids and stuff. But I would like to see him as like you know somebody post school life, so like just out of college or like maybe he's been in the workforce for a little while. So we we get this picture of this kid. He has this kind of you know idyllic, iconic, nostalgic childhood. That's you know covered in all kinds of hijinks and fun all the stuff you associate with being a kid but he's also fairly clever and he's kind of interesting as an adult i think all of that comes to kind of like bite him in the ass when he gets into like the real world and he's trying to hold down a job you know it's he's got adhd and he's struggling to like manage um, not daydreaming at work so he can get through stuff. He has like a, a basic office job doing data entry or something and he keeps imagining spaceships made out of numbers and stuff like that. And he's losing touch with how to stay positive and he's actively trying to uh, ignore Hobbes who is trying to talk to him at that point. I think we we definitely need somebody really strong for that Calvin role. I'm, I'm thinking maybe like Nicholas Holt, he could be really good in that that sort of a role, and I think he could be really interesting in that kind of a role. For Hobbs, I I'm feeling like Jack Black might be like a draw for parents, uh, but I'm I'm leaning a little bit more towards Donald Glover. I'll, I'll give you guys the choice. I, I have tapes from both of them. They're they're both different takes. For which sound great? For Hobbs. Hobbs. Yeah, and then I think Susie should kind of be like the in in Calvin's mind the one who got away so i have this idea that he, you know sort of obsessed with her but through actually like going through the process of trying to you know adjust to adult life he ends up realizing that you know she's always been a great friend to me even when i've been a shithead i don't really want to try ruining that with romance try and learn a lesson that like a lot of dumb idiot dudes never learn like, you have a lot of women that you could be just friends with and you'd have a great time. 
So that's kind of something that I think would be well represented there and be really interesting. So that's kind of my take. Very simplistic style, just very straightforward, bright. I'm into it. All right. So producer Eric, you've got uh, a script for the Calvin and Hobbes movie. You've got the director's take on it. You got some uh, pretty interesting names, some up and coming actors, Nicholas Holtz on some, you know, burning lists of, you know, must watch upcoming actors. The name Donald Glover and Jack Black have both been thrown around and attached. Did you have an actor for Susie? I was thinking Zoe Deschanel. All right. You, you have everyone's with or without bangs. I think that's important. I think we want her to mimic the hairstyle that Susie has in okay, the comic. Cool. So it's kind of like the hanging. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you feeling good? Can you make this make some money? Oh, I'm I'm loving this. I, I love this concept. I love the performances I've heard. I think... I think I'm going to have to put my foot down and we'll go with Donald Glover for this. Just <sighs> Jack Black just was a bit too Jack Black for me. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go with Donald Glover for Hobbs. I loved, love the reads. Uh, it sounds great. Got a few notes before I give you a budget. One, I've heard a lot of buzz around Terry Crews lately. I don't know what we're going to do with that, but I want him in there. So think on that. Figure that out. Don't care how. Just popular. People like him. Let's go with that. I want to make sure that we don't talk about the noodle incident. And we also need to talk about not talking about the noodle incident. So we just have to make sure that that's covered in there. And, uh... You know, looking at how Christopher Robin did recently, I'm liking our odds here. I feel like there's a pretty solid following. I'm going to say that I'm going to up from their budget a little bit. I'm going to give you $85 million. So that's a little bit above what they did for the Christopher Robin movie. And I'll give you an extra 10 if you can bring in Terry Crews for it. We'll need it to so, pay him. That's fair. Anything else you want to add? I think I'm good for now. All right. So back to our writer. Mm-hmm. Ben, the director is going to give you a treatment. He's got a cast. You have been given notes from the the studio that you have to get Terry Crews in there. They don't have, they don't want him in a role, but they want Terry Crews in the movie, so you have to find something for him to do. And you have a budget of eighty five. What is the legal definition of the amount of screen time required for him to be in the movie? I'm going to say that he needs at least one meaningful scene. With one of the main characters. Okay. You know what? I can combine that with the not talking about the noodle incident. So we're going to have, you know, the bit of the montage of Calvin trying to get a job, maybe before he gets in the job, showing him being there for a while. And one of them, during the montage, he'll go to, you know, Terry Cruz's company and meeting with him and, you know, just kind of going through his record, kind of his past stuff. And one of the things will be like, so we looked at your background. Uh, there was a thing about noodles, and it's like, oh god, you know, like, like this is this is whatever the noodle incident was was so significant that it is still plaguing his adult life and ability to get a job. Um, I mean, let's. It's not. We're not going to try to make that into a big plot thing. It's just going to be a little joke. The fact that you know whatever it was was significant enough to be considered that. Now I know that it's not up to me. Also, how a director or anyone uses the money. I do think that. You know, keeping it relatively um, manageable budget, I would rec, or, you know, like the things to not look overblown in other things to really spend that budget in the fantasy scenes. 
because I think you can throw in a lot of craziness there. Hopefully that's enough of Terry Crews to be legally defined as a Terry Crews appearance. Otherwise, he could also be the guy that, you know, Calvin's at his cubicle and he has a cubicle mate who's just kind of like, you know, just sort of the, hey, you want to be buddies kind of person, you know, want to go get a beer and some cold ones or whatnot. And just like totally oblivious to the fact that Calvin doesn't like him. Beer and cold ones. What's a cold one in this regard? Right, exactly. I I don't know what people do. You know, that's why I don't work in a cubicle shop. That's why why I'm a writer. You know, that's why I don't have a cubicle job. I don't know what those sheeple do. I'm sorry. We're getting off topic. But yeah, no, I I think that's really good. You know, just those little references thrown in there to past comics, past things. Now, I'm really struggling, I think, with the ending because I really really don't want it to be a Calvin just quits his job and be like, I'm going to just do fancy stuff because it's like, well, okay, well, how are you going to make money hanging out with your tiger friend? So, but I think, you know, definitely, so he works at his job, but also is able to, when he's not working, find really good creative things he can do. Like he makes his own little comics, just sells them, but like he's found a balance between work and using his creativity rather than having to find a job that allows I've got him some to ideas use it for that i've got cool. some ideas for that. all right jacob you've got a few rewrites based on studio notes you've got kind of a role for terry cruz to get in there you got the noodled incident or don't talking about it thing you like the script changes and the mandates you can make it work yeah, I think, I think I can definitely make that work. I got some great ideas. Yeah, Terry Crews will give him kind of a, a meaty sort of small role. He'll be a little bit bombastic, sort of, you know, maverick entrepreneur type guy who, you know, this is part of a startup that Calvin is working for, and he's a little bit weird around the edges. I like the beginning that, like, Calvin feels like he can get away with, you know, being a little bit more off kilter and, you know, get lost in his fantasies more. But as he spends more time there, he's realizing that this isn't fulfilling and, you know, other people are succeeding more than me and I'm, I'm panicking because I don't know how to handle this sort of thing. So we can lead into that. So Terry Crews will have, you know, three or four scenes, the first one being the longest when he's initially hiring Calvin. And he can be sort of, you know, sympathetic, but still, you know, give Calvin some goals in terms of, you know, getting himself on track. Um, And I like your idea of, you know, working that in. I think at the end of the movie, you know, by the end of the movie, Calvin has sort of, he's not seeing, you know, Hobbes as like this extra entity anymore. He's seeing it more as like a part of himself. So maybe they come up with like a product line or like, you know, an algorithm or something and they call it the Hobbes line or the Hobbes algorithm. And he's like the spearhead on that project or whatever it is. I kind of like that idea where it's sort of become part of his his work and he's using his kind of strange ideas to, to work with that. On top of that, I have this really great idea after he has his like first breakdown. Um, he's going to meet with, with Susie to try and like, you know, vent and like get, get things off his chest, how he's feeling and everything. Susie is going to meet him at this uh, park that's next to like one of the big freeway divider walls. It's like, you know, huge wooden blank walls and he's not going to know what to do. And Susie's going to say, all right, well, let's play some Calvin ball. And then he's be like, I don't know if I can play Calvin ball and she'll like come on just start you know how it works and like they'll start doing random stuff and as they're doing that we're gonna get this animation of like all kinds of crazy stuff happening on the the walls behind them in the space so we'll see the the divider wall will have like animated effects 
going across it. So they're kind of imagining what's happening and that'll kind of, you know, bring him back to his happy place and get things going again for him. I think that will be like really, really cool scene and it will be something we can put in the trailers that will get people really excited about it. So I'm, I'm super into that idea. I definitely think that most of like the heavy effects should be at the beginning and we should see some of his fantasies have diminished after he gets to the, you know, cubicle stage of his life. Childhood stuff be much more heavy duty. Uh, I also want to bring in as a personal favor to her, uh, my dear friend, Bette Midler, as Mrs. Wormwood, Calvin's teacher in the, the previous ones. I think she'll be just great. She'll be amazing and get another cute little cameo for more, you know, nostalgia from that time. All right. So producer, you've got the first cut of the movie and it's got some cool like like hand-drawn animation, special effects on the wall, playing Calvin Ball. You got your role for Terry Crews. You got the noodle incident. You've got Calvin as like a young professional combining his creativity and Hobbs into like his professional career. You got a Bette Miller cameo. You feeling pretty good? You like this? Yeah, there there are a few there are a few things I want to do before we get it out the door though. First is I want to throw another 10 million at the effects just to make sure. I've seen too many movies ruined by bad effects. I just want to make sure that all this neat little uh, nuance that we have with it being not better effects but more elaborate when he is imagining more and then a little muted when he is in the cubicle life i want to make sure that we're executing on that so i'm going to put a little more money behind that i think we're going to tie the terry cruz character in just a touch more not with any more scenes with terry those scenes are great but we're going to just make sure that in some of the childhood scenes we have a young child representing uh, a young terry cruz so to speak. So when they get to that interview, there is a thread there. There's a reason he's taking a chance on Calvin, even though Calvin is underperforming and a little struggling. So kind of bring that relationship a little better, kind of bolster that a bit. And the last thing I want to do is make sure that we have a post-credit scene that is kind of a, a young child. Let's go with a young girl, but not, not one that looks too much like any of the other characters. Climbing into an attic and finding a dusty Hobbs in the attic. That way we can kind of throw hints. If this does well, maybe we have a follow-up movie that has to do a little more with when Calvin has grown up a bit more and moved on with his life and started to understand that balance. Maybe we can follow it up. I want to leave that door open a bit. So I'm feeling pretty good about where we're at with those. All right. I'm going to enter the Calvin and Hobbes film into the movie machine. It sounds like a comic-y spaceship taking off into space. So this movie, like it's critics really like it. It does really well. The critics, the marketing campaign solid with the amount of money the studio put behind everything. It actually brings Bill Watterson out from like whatever hermit shack he's in. And, uh, He's really hates it. It just against his like he spent his you know much actively fighting the merchandising and everything and like he even said is like I don't even mind the story the story's all right and everything but it's not what I wanted out of my art and they're selling T-shirts and like it's become this big commercial cultural thing and all his hardcore fans are with him and none of them see the movie and everything and it's controversial but it does actually stir up some 
interest in others like oh man if this pisses off the dude i don't see why he's so mad about it so it does well you you make you know a good amount of your budget it doesn't lose money in theaters but it doesn't for a 105 million dollar film it doesn't do as well as you had hoped it makes about one and a half times its budget it doesn't quite double so it's not a loss for the studio but it's not the hit they expected when they put this much money behind this property it gets a 92 Rotten Tomato score. Critics really like it. They think it's great. They like their artistic quality. It just, you know, Bill Watterson accomplishes. It's not the commercial success to be expected, kind of thanks to his efforts, which is testament to him. So knowing what you know now, the movie machine does impart each person with a little time travel magic to maybe you can either sit back and accept the film and call it art, or, you know, you can try and turn it into a commercial juggernaut. So I think that as a writer, this kind of issue is kind of outside my ability. I think that any change I would make wouldn't necessarily change the Watterson situation. So that I think that's more for the director and producer to figure out how to handle. So really, my only things... Just a little couple ideas that maybe I'd throw in. I I want to see what happened to Mo, the bully. So I, I just want to, you know, he's not going to be a huge part in the film, but, you know, just see, you know, he, he's just like completely out, you know, down and out, like a complete bum, a complete failure at like, you know, just this, this guy was just bullying Calvin and now, you know, he didn't do anything with his life kind of thing. You know, just he's one of the only other real characters. Calvin Hobbes had a pretty small cast. I have been struggling a bit, I realized, not being able to give Calvin a last name. I feel like that's really important that we don't do that. So I recognize, because a bunch of people have tweeted at me, that the scene where people are going over his portfolio and no one says his full name is awkward, but I think it's worth it. So yeah, that's really my only big change, just throwing a little extra little um, jokey joke with Mo there. And you know, I I tried to write something that was in the spirit of what he wanted and I don't think that changing the movie is the issue I think it's what comes after the movie is released and that's really nothing I can impact so I leave it to you all right Jacob knowing what you know now is there any changes you'd like to make to the film this one's a toughie because I mean I have everything prepped to switch it over to Kelvin and Dobbs but I, I think if Bill Watterson still hates it and comes out of fighting to say he hates it that doesn't really change that outcome so that's a little bit of a a tricky one to to get around uh i guess the only thing i could say is that we try and redouble our effort there's uh, a deep dark twisted part of me that thinks we just assassinate him before he gets to say anything but you know i don't think we should actually do that that seems pretty unkind considering we're making something out of his beloved characters well we know where he's hiding now (laughs) We do we do know where he's hiding now, so I guess we're gonna try and redouble our efforts and It was you know. Delaware. Delaware. Okay. All right. Well yeah, we'll we'll try going to Delaware and uh you know, I guess the the movie machine will have to tell us whether we can find him or not, but that's the the plan currently. And, you know, at the very least, just say, you know, hey, we, we do have the rights, we would like to make this and you know, offer him whatever he wants even if it means that if i don't get a paycheck on this that's fine we made a cool movie i'll get to work on other movies later i'll tell him like hey i just want to make this cool movie this was a cool comic for me and i hope it's something that you realize has impacted many other people i'm sorry that it's it's made you go into hiding beyond that as for the the bully character i'm going to cast tony way who's a british character actor and he totally looks like the bully from Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, I don't remember what the character's name is, but... Mo. He, Mo, thank you. Yeah, and he's 
he'll be perfect as adult adult Mo. I like the idea that he also works at this company for Terry Crews, and he's just like Mr. Vanilla, like couldn't be more boring as an adult. And just like you know, he occasionally interacts with Calvin, but it's not like you know, no comparison to how he was as a child. He's just become somebody who's shoved down all of his issues and just like i'm gonna live my life now see you calvin cool all right producer so the film you know makes money it's not Mm -hmm. the hit you and other studio people were but you know you still made money it's it's up to the audience you happy you want to make changes or i'm gonna give some direction on the mo character i love the inclusion what we're gonna do is make sure that we have just a little bit of interaction there between Calvin and Mo that that really shows that Calvin is in one set we talk about that Mo is not as good as Calvin uh, in this current situation. He is vanilla. He is just trying to get through, but we're gonna have Calvin help him, support him, not as a major thing, but just kind of showing a we've grown up, we've moved on. Kind of a good good character moment for those two. But since we now uh, are aware of where he was hiding, uh, I'm going to make sure that there is not an assassination because that is not moral. We're going to do some communication ahead of time. I'm going to reach out there. And what we're going to do is rather than change anything about the the movie, we're going to change something about uh, our approach to merchandising. So there are lots of Calvin and Hobbes merch pieces out there that are like Calvin peeing on a word that are used in decals and things like that. None of those are authorized. We're going to throw everything we have behind getting that unauthorized merch off the market, being able to take control of that merchandising, and then make sure that we have a partnership with Bill going forward so that we can get that support and hopefully get what uh, he currently hates off the market and then support things that he doesn't hate. So that's our plan. Great. So I'm recalibrating this in the movie machine. And uh, it does do a Bill Watterson doesn't do a big public thing. Uh, he does do one interview with Conan O'Brien talking about how he was very like pleased that the studio helped fund a lobbying effort to make the uh, pass a stricter code about car decals licensing, which uh, authorized it to not only make those calvin peen on things illegal but anyone on their car with them gets a 75 dollars fine which caused everyone who owns a pickup truck in the midwest to take a razor blade to their decal both the ford drivers with him peeing on chevy and the chevy drivers peeing on ford all took off so honestly improved humanity by a small fraction percentage but the fact no one has to look at those car decals anymore that makes the world a slightly better place Let's be honest, like that that's a small improvement. It made Bill Watterson happy. Conan Bryan's bit where they took an entire pallet full of those stickers and set them on fire in the back lot with a flamethrower they got from Elon Musk was a great it went Did viral. they pee on them first? Uh no, because Bill Wat that would have made Bill Watterson's head explode. Okay. But it did well. Yeah, you do a little better. You get an extra 15% more in box office. And uh, VOD and Blu-ray sales are really good. And it's considered one of the best movies of the year. It even gets not. It doesn't win, but it gets nominated for Best Picture. It's an honor just to be Uh, nominated. Terry Crews gets an Oscar nom for Best Supporting Actor. So you all did pretty well. You didn't win anything in the Oscars. You just got like four nominations and you lost in all categories. But people considered it a good movie. The movie that won, no one remembers. And they actually remember this movie. So, you know longevity always wins so 
And that was the Calvin and Hobbes movie, everybody. And also, always, we end every episode with a quote from our new patron saint, the one, the only, Jaden Smith. I've never finished developing my social skills. Thank you, everyone. This has been The Movie Machine. True. <laughs> Fact check.